fair to call that one a game of two halves, I'd say. Yes, and not just about Anderson's performance either, you know. Decent, terrible, decent, terrible, yeah. I I thought United were pretty good for quite a lot of that game, actually. I thought there was some really nice attacking play. A lot of it went through Kagawa. We talked about him a lot last week. Uh, I thought Cleverly was very good in central midfield. Uh, the, The forwards were good. Wonderful goal from Van Persie. So some very good general attacking play uh, defensively another mess i think basically and and fulham could have come out of that game with a draw or better in fact given that some of the chances they had and and once again no protection in front of the back four and the back four which was pretty much all over the place well it's interesting because whenever we talk about rafael or ever you always talk about how sir alex wants defenders who can play one-on-one as a key part of his central defender choice is is that they have to be able to do that and so the fullbacks are free of course if you play Carrick at the back you're essentially playing one central defender and Carrick is exposed to all the lack of cover because because a he's not in midfield to provide the cover and b he needs way more cover from his fullbacks than the normal central defenders do Right, and, and I don't think the Manny Vidic is Matt Sharp yet either. I have, to, I have to say, I think he's been exposed a couple of games in a row. That's not to say there's anything wrong with him long term. I just think he's not quite there yet, and he's been out for months and all of that. And it all contributes, and the, the fact that there is no proper cover in front of the back four is causing United quite a lot of defensive problems. And, and uh, the United you know, played well attacking-wise and actually managed to convert some chances, which obviously didn't happen at Everton. And, and the three goals weren't necessarily in the end, but it really could have gone pear-shaped. I mean, it had a, a feeling of that Everton game all over it, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly did. Um, Everton 4-4 game, I mean, not the Everton yeah, 0-1. Yeah, and, and, you know, basically I'm just really delighted that we won because you can't draw any conclusions from our defensive unit when it has Carrick at centre-backs. Just like, did we scrape through even though Carrick was at centre-back yes brilliant let's move on to the next game because when Rio comes back Vidic is going to look a million times better because that's what Rio does to whoever's standing next to him yeah I mean it could be another couple of weeks at least I mean after the international break for Rio as the minimum but Johnny Evans played in a reserve game on Wednesday night so there's a chance he, he might come back for the Southampton game probably of course he's on the bench against Fulham so so we'll see you know it's it's looking that the future isn't looking terrible there it's looking a little bit brighter I'd, I'd say by the time we're back from the international break we'll have should have another couple of fit central defenders and then we're only really talking a few weeks until Smalling's back so there's light at the end of that tunnel but it's definitely caused United problems against Fulham and 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 of course I mean I guess that's one talking point that came out of the game the other talking point of course was the performance of Dembele and everyone afterwards saying oh United should sign him and he's a player that the club reportedly and and, uh, you know I use that in inverted commas bid about five million pounds for at the beginning of the summer and it was a wonderful performance and he really honestly in the second half especially he really showed up Anderson and uh, it was another inconsistent performance from our Brazilian. Yeah, and Dembele was excellent, and now he's gone to Tottenham Hotspur, and I'm sad about that because I, I would have absolutely loved us to sign Dembele. I, I would have that would have that would have put the icing on a very very nice cake of this transfer window if we if we'd bought him. Got to be consistent on this one. I, I thought he was excellent, uh, but I think I've pretty much said all along I'm not certain that he's the right player for United. I mean, he's a he's a really good attacking central midfielder now. You kind of thought of him as a wide player that was might have been all right, and a forward who didn't score enough, and and he played in both those positions a lot at Fulham before for converting into central midfield where he's, he appears to have blossomed and, and the physicality things there and he gets around he makes more dribbles than any other player from central midfield he's, there's not many players that, that will do that from central midfield and that they're special when they come along and uh, but it doesn't mean he's 
he's the kind of defensive player that United could do in the squad, and and it doesn't mean he's a destroyer anyway. It doesn't mean he's necessarily a creator either, but he's got some very good qualities. But I have to say, those little caveats made me think that he probably wasn't the wouldn't have been my first choice for a for a central midfielder. Apparently not Fergie's either, because otherwise United might have upped the bidding or, or not. Well, no, I mean, I think I think this isn't one of those transfers where you can say, oh, it's such a shame that the Glazers exist because we're not able to compete because I'm sure we could have competed for Tottenham for the signing of Dembele if Fergie had wanted to. I really, you know, you really do suspect that that's the case. Unlike Modric to Madrid, where you think, well, we, we're clearly, obviously, it's not like Fergie wouldn't want Modric, but we're clearly not in a position to, to fight that fight. But we could, I think if he'd wanted Dembele, we would have got him. So I'd like to talk a bit about United's attacking play. Uh, you mentioned earlier, I thought it was impressive, Kagawa, once again, uh, or oh, uh, Kagawa, right? God, lengthy discussions on Twitter about the pronunciation. There's no gao sound in it, so it is not Kagawa, um, and there's no emphasis in Japanese, apparently, or there's no emphasis in Kagawa anyway, so you just hit all the syllables equally. It's Kagawa, Kagawa, Kagawa. Uh, do you make an effort to, to pronounce Nemanja Vidic in Serbian? No, but you don't pronounce it Eric Cantona, do you? So you do, you you know, it's all selective. He's getting the full Kagawa treatment from commentators, which does slightly ruin the, all we need is Shinji Kagawa. It's, it's not as good, is it? We need to find a new song for him if that's or or. Ah, uh, yeah, but but in the songs you always bastardise the vowels. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. He was brilliant. Again, I'm really in love, but we can, we'll be talking about that a lot during the season. So we will. Uh, Well, actually, actually his performance is different. Yes, and, and and factually it was, and we're gonna ah! we, can get, we can get onto this one again. And he, he actually it's interesting because he didn't actually create as many nearly as many chances for United's players in this game, and didn't get any assists, and didn't well he scored his goal, and and so that was a bit different. I thought the way that he played was different because he was getting more balls into the right areas, and, and that might be as we discussed last week the difference between Wayne Rooney playing there and 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 Robin van Persie. Maybe that was the case. I mean he was certainly playing a lot more balls uh, in into the box and forward whereas an awful lot of his play against Everton went square and, and that was completely different he was more penetrative as res- as a result and that, I think if he plays like that more often and United is set up to allow him to play like that more often he's going to be a, a lot more dangerous player as a result of it I mean I don't want to go back to it really but I, I didn't see like a lot of his passing as being square against Everton I thought quite a lot of it was very penetrative and you just said he created a lot of chances but listen he was wonderful and I'm, I think it's it's just so exciting it's just so exciting I was watching it I was watching it and that's Kagawa and Van Persie up front together the the thing that really made me think of is when you take over Manchester United on Football Manager and the first thing you do is make two ridiculous signings you know and so the team is kind of the team that you know but there's just these two really key differences and and I mean what what did you make of Van Persie's home debut well I thought in terms of his performance he wasn't actually in the game that often and uh, so you know a 7 out of 10 or something funnily, funnily enough I've actually decided this season to create a database where I'm I'm going to rank all the players and I'm going to look at why they're in the team why they're not in the teams are in score it whether they were dropped or injured and stuff like that. And we'll, we'll come to some conclusions at the end of 60 games or so, you know. Just so, you know, I'm creating some database for my thoughts. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, it's really not. It's extremely nerdy. But the point I was trying to make with that is, is that, you know, it's like a 6 or a 7 ten, out of 10 performance from Van Persie. I think, I think there's loads more to come from him. And, and I think as the, the rest of the team works out how they're playing now, which is, you know, obviously very different, I think. And, you know, on the face of it, the shape is not hugely 
hugely different. I think in reality, there's a significant amount of difference in how they're playing. And, and once people get used to that, he's gonna we're going to get more out of him, and and he'll be contributing more. But yeah, having said all that, just a wonderful strike. I, I think most strikers would have hit the defender. He managed to get less than half a yard of space, and and you know managed to score from less than half a chance. So you, you really can't complain about that. I think it's pretty clear that statistically our best attacking player in that game was Raphael. Six shots, five of them on target, yeah. He's... Uh, well, the, the, the 4-4-2 stat zone thing says four shots, two on targets, including one goal, 71 out of 75 completed passes, uh, 28 out of 29 attacking third passes, uh, three out of three successful take-ons of players, also five out of six tackles. So p- pretty impressive performance. And and for some reason, I don't know how this is even possible, two out of two aerial duels won. That, that doesn't seem like it be, could be possible, but I wonder if that includes his goal. Well, maybe I don't, I'm not quite sure what defines an aerial duel. Yeah, he had a fine game, but of course got out of position for one of the the Fulham goals, and that, that is a criticism that is going to continue to be levelled at him until he sorts out the defensive side of his game. And 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 ditto on the other side. You know, Patrice Evra, it's been a problem uh, for him for 18 months or so, hasn't it? You know, the, the defensive side of his game, and and you just. It can't happen too often, otherwise it causes a real problem. It can't happen too often when there are other problems in the the defence, you know, central defence at the moment. I mean, United had the second best defensive record in the Premier League last season. I'm sure Ferguson would like to have the best. Uh, His strategy this season is to make sure we have the best attacking record in the the Premier League, quite clearly. But... You know, the two things do go together, you know. United lost the Premier League title on goal difference and, and goal difference is the amount of goals scored minus the amount of goals conceded. So those two things balance out equally there and and United do have to make sure they're tight enough at the back and, and right now they're really not and, and it's partly to do with, mostly to do with shape but also partly to do with individual mistakes and, and Rafael does still make them. A lot and, and you know, I, I, I like him and I think he's a, a sort of asset to United but he definitely causes problems when he plays at right back. He definitely, he's definitely just not the brightest footballer. You know, he just has kind of pretty poor decision making. I think in relative terms, it's interesting. I was listening to something the other day where they were talking about how in Fergie's autobiography, one of the things he talks about as being one of the most highly prized characteristics of a, of the types of player he likes is incredible concentration. And if you think about the the kind of Fergie era United greats, they really do have that kind of concentration. Raphael definitely doesn't because you can you can basically you can almost visibly see him making bad decisions like when he tries to pull pull back a player or whatever and uh, i mean other players in ferguson's time have uh, have been accused of that too i mean particularly rio ferdinand when he was younger was accused of losing concentration and no one would accuse him of that anymore so partly that's experience you, you just hope he grows up fast Right. And and but it's a problem because, you know, A makes mistakes and it costs United goals and potentially points. But also Ferguson's like so, so harsh with him. He appears to drop him after any mistake. And and, and we'll see at Southampton. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he dropped him and, and Antonio Valencia plays it right back. You know, had a great game, Raphael, but made one mistake where he got out of position and it cost United a goal. So we'll see. And anyway, I mean. I think I think that does dovetail into a conversation we said we'd have about the the transfer window. Across the two games, we've seen some problems, a lot in midfield, and a, a lot that's been caused by Carrick's 
move to the back and a lot in defence. And, and so that begs the question, really, did United pursue the right strategy over the summer? Have we got the right players? Are we missing anything still? And, and what does that mean for the rest of the season? Well, I mean, it's interesting because the one huge talking point we haven't touched on from the Fulham game was that horrendous injury to Wayne Rooney a couple of months out with a with a massive gaping flesh wound. If you haven't seen the animated GIF of Danny Welbeck reacting to seeing that, it's, it's, it is very, very funny, uh, although kind of unfortunate. He just does a little skip and a jump when he realizes what's happened because he's gross like he just his leg is open and it's apparently gone right into the muscle and that's why it's such a long time out but we don't there's no panic that Rooney's not there now because of the way the transfer window's right, gone yeah. in, in fact it's that it's sorry to harp on about football manager I've just been playing a lot because of that book football manager stole my life I know football manager isn't real and doesn't directly compare to football uh, but you do get that thing where you sign a star player you don't quite need and you kind of hope one of your other star players gets injured so you can just play him without a selection dilemma I'm sure that in actual reality Fergie's certainly not hoping Rooney would get a terrible injury no and I did see some people tweeting similar things which was is totally ridiculous I mean Rooney scored 34 goals last season there's no way you need him or want him to be injured and and even if a, a consequence of that is that the new players get to play with each other that doesn't mean that was Ferguson's strategy all along uh, to play Kagawa and Van Persie as a as a front two if you will so uh, you know it's it's not good news for United that Rooney is injured it's not good news for Rooney either because he, he takes a long time to get fit and it would take him a while apparently I mean worry about infection and stuff like that means he can't do the pool work and, and it's going to take him quite a long time to, to build up his fitness as well or he might lose quite a bit of fitness and of course as an aside it's the first time Rooney's had a nasty gash and didn't have to pay for it oh gross that's just gross the other key thing about Rooney in the Fulham game and the transfer window is that Rooney was just full on dropped you know, he was bad against Everton and Fergie just didn't play him. Yeah, probably. Although Ferguson didn't say that. He said, uh, it's all about fitness and Wayne Rooney understands that. And we'll, we'll see. I mean, Ferguson and the truth are, are strange bedfellows, aren't they? So, you know, I, I'm not sure that he was telling the full truth there. I think you're probably right. I think he was just dropped. He just didn't play very well. So he was dropped and, and Ferguson took the best option, which was to play Van Persie from the start in his favoured formation. Yeah, absolutely, and that's like that's really exciting because Rooney's an odd presence at United. Obviously, has uh, ardent, fervent supporters, and so he should. He's been an excellent player for the club. But the, there's the whole transfer request thing. There's his kind of perceived or maybe real lack of professionalism in terms of like he smokes a lot and stuff and you know his fitness is not the best although when he does hit peak fitness it's it's kind of excellent but but it's not like he looks after himself that well so he's a weird relationship with the club and he's always seemed a bit you know big man on campus in his attitude so it's very interesting to see how he's going to respond to the signing of signing of Van Persie but it, it definitely gives United a, a completely different dimension you know to, to, and I don't just mean on the pitch Van Persie offers something that other players don't I mean his presence in the squad adds a component to the overall meta game that is Manchester United Oh sure, I, actually I think I think the real threat to Rooney's place is, is not Van Persie, it's Kigawa and, and uh, if you, you take season last year as a whole he played much more of it in the sort of number 10 role than he played up front on his own or or in a front two I mean Welbeck and Hernandez got a, a decent share of games playing up front and really played deeper so interesting when they both played for a small period of time and Van Persie actually dropped deeper and and Rooney went up top I'm not sure how that's that will be how it works out as the season goes on I think actually Rooney will be the rover and, and Van Persie will be the pivot the nine if you like but but arguably if that's how United are going to play and it's a big if and, and Ferguson changes the tactics around a lot arguably Kagawa is a more natural number 10 
And if you're going to play that way, if you're going to play four with two holding midfielders and three behind a one, then then Kagawa might naturally fit into that position and you might end up shifting Rooney left. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, these are these are debates that will play out over the course of the season and we're, we're, we don't have to make those decisions. Or Ferguson doesn't have to make those decisions because Rooney's going to be out for a couple of months and he can pick a team without worrying about that. So in terms of the transfer window, if you had said to me at the beginning of the window, we're going to buy a backup left back, we're going to buy a Japanese G, genius to play in the number 10 role you know the the creative spark that we've all been kind of crying out for in a lot of ways and yeah, yeah. just just to sweeten the deal oh yeah we'll get nick powell up and coming attacking midfielder from crew and chilean striker i've never heard of who other people say is brilliant then we're also going to buy robin van Persie. now the downside is we're not going to buy a central midfielder or an out and out you know actual central midfielder i would have been like do you know what i'll take the hit you know i'll Yes, I wish we'd bought a central midfielder, but we didn't, and we basically addressed every other problem that I perceived in the squad. I don't think we need any more centre-backs, albeit, you know, it would have been nice to have one this week, but squad-wise, you would never say, let's buy right. a centre-back. As you've, you've said, Van Persie might not be the fantastic player we need, but it's phenomenally good to have him, because, you know, I mean, he's propped up Arsenal the last couple of seasons, but last season in particular, and we really could do with a striker who can prop us up when we're not playing well you know that's that's right. to have to have another one who can do that it's just i think overall you know the effect on the squad is we are way way closer to city than we were when when the season finished Look, this is very true. I think I think United are clearly United are net better the start of this season than at the end of last season. And there's a lot more attacking options. That attack that was ponderous at times last season shouldn't be this season. There are way more options. There should be no shortage of goals. And then, but there might have to be. And and if you can't give them the platform, as happened at Everton, despite all that possession, the point being, if you can't give the platform to the attacking players to score goals, you're not going to score goals. So it might well be that United need to take a very few number of chances at a very high percentage right in order to win those big games and that may well be the gamble Ferguson's taking he's gambling that even if United aren't on top in some of the really big games where teams like City or in Europe have you know more of the ball or have more presence in midfield that United will be able to take more chances I mean already United's chance conversion rate was higher than anyone else last season and it should be even higher still this yeah, absolutely, and and sort of the fashioning of chances out of not that much as well. It goes way up. A kind of it's not a figure that it's easy to quantify, but but you know Van Persie makes stuff happen. People have talked about whether Ferguson has some kind of mental block about central midfield. I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure he just made the calculation. You know, I have this pot of money. It was quite obvious. Everyone said it was forty million because that's what Manchester United's chief. Vice Chairman Edward Woodward said it was, right? So, you know, there's a lot of transparency there, which is unusual with the, the Glazer family. So he went out and spent his 40 million, spent a little bit over actually, but, you know, Berbatov's heading off. So we'll, we'll round out about that. And he could have spent his 24 million on AEN midfielder. Uh, Robin Van Persie, eventually the deal got done. They were chasing that for a while. But, you know, we transfer the, any transfer window, there's a lot of plate spinning. So they keep a lot of plate spinning and they're going to work out which ones are about to fall and which ones might come good. And, uh, and in the end, that one turned good. If Arsenal had been much more intransigent, I think we might have seen United spend the money on on a midfielder because I don't think they were after another striker. I think it was, you know, it's opportunism in many ways. 
Opportunism kind of sounds like a bad word almost in football decision making, but sometimes opportunism is taking advantage of a brilliant opportunity. And this really was one because, you know, we kind of need players to want to come to us now. We, we need them to not be basing their decisions purely on money. Because if he based his decision purely on money, he would have gone to City, you, you would expect. Because it's not, it can't be that they weren't interested in him. So, you know, Mark Ogden wrote in the Telegraph that City had decided not to go for him because they didn't see it as a good deal. I mean, that, there may well be some truth in that. I, I'm sure that Mark is, has, you know, conversations with Brian Marwood and he's, he's briefed off the record, you know, as, as, as happens in this, this business. Uh, and I'm sure that's the positive spin that City are putting on it. I think if Van Persie had given the word that he was interested in going to City and, you know, he was happy to take that check, they'd have done the deal. Sure. So just to go back to the Kagawa point, he, he tried attempted 49 passes uh, in the Fulham game as opposed to 75 in the Everton game because he was on the pitch for only about 60 minutes, wasn't it, against Fulham? And basically played a lot deeper in terms of the, the amount of passes he made. But 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 the difference is just the number of passes. Basically, if he he made he made a lot more sideways passes in the Everton game, but that was because he made a lot more passes. Yeah, that's really not the point I was making. Actually, I was talking about penetration his impact on the game so so he made one pass into here's a good example of what i'm talking about he made one pass into the everton box against everton and made four in 50 percent less time against fulham and that's kind of what i'm talking about not whether he passed it backwards or sidewards or whatever i mean i think he actually had a 100 percent pass completion rate of his backwards passes something like that you know he makes a very very high percentage of passes it's about the penetration right and that was different against fulham than it was you're absolutely right that's exactly why i said when he when united played against Everton, he didn't make that difference right and that wasn't a criticism of his quality or his play and we actually said that probably some and the fault for that was was with Wayne Rooney and his lack of movement, and and I think probably Van Persie helped him. It's one of those nuanced things you can't really you can't really measure, can no. you? It's like defensive quality. You know, the defender in the right place can't measure that one with a statistic. You know, it's the forward in the right place to allow him to make the pass. Maybe maybe that helps, but it just you know there were more against Fulham in less time and, and there's more penetration. If we keep getting that, it's going to be really massively valuable. He's going to get more assists. He'll get in the right place for goals because, you know, people will be playing him into the right spaces too and, and that's just a lot better. Against Everton, it was going sideways on the edge of the box and, and, and it just doesn't help United when that's the case and, and it's not blame on him. Could be the system, could be other players, probably Wayne Rooney, but, you know, it was better against Fulham. The only bit I slightly disagree with out of all of what you just said, I slightly disagree with it doesn't help United, but I, I kind of know, I don't I don't think you mean that literally. I think you mean it doesn't help United as much as when there's those like penetrative balls behind the back four into the striker in the box. Which is what he's doing. He's the number 10. That's his role in the team. Otherwise, we might play, might as well play another midfielder. I mean, I don't know anything about uh, three of the five players we've bought, you know, because I'm, I'm not knowledgeable about Chilean football or lower league football in England, and nor, nor do I follow the Eredivisie. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to claim any particular knowledge. I, I think it's brilliant that we've bought, you know, so long as Alex Butner can play a bit, that's fine. You know, we just need a decent option at left back is, is brilliant because we didn't have it at all. And it, it could have been one of those things that makes Fergie play nine players out of position because he, he seems to think that if you put one player out of position you have to move all the others out of position to compensate for it somehow he won't play loads 
Bootner, and uh, as long as Everett doesn't get injured, that doesn't matter. You know, I, I, he's not been bought to replace Everett, as, as I said before, he's been bought to, to complement and, and to give Everett a rest, and, and that's absolutely fine. You know, we'll, we'll see if he's any good, of course. You know, we haven't seen him play. I, I'd say I just, I, I, I know I saw Vitesse play last season, but I just can't remember him. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell with that one. And um, the other thing that's really, I know we, I keep dragging us back to the Fulham game, but uh, the performance of David De Gea, I feel like it's really important to say, shut up to all the stupid, idiotic nonsense. People talking about De Gea's performance as if it was somehow like, oh, he dropped a massive clanger for that second goal, for Fulham's, yeah, Fulham's second goal. He was definitely fouled for that goal. He was, he was nudged out of the way, and yet he lacks a little bit of strength coming for crosses for sure. And then. At the end, he makes this save that basically no other keeper in the league would have made, where he has to punch the ball away because it's coming too fast and too suddenly for him to clutch it into himself. And there's like a little corridor between the, the groups of players to the left of him and the right of him, and he punches the ball directly through a hole in the crowd. It was like a Cantona's finish in the cup final against Liverpool. You know, it had to take that exact perfect line not to hit anyone. And De Gea managed to find out with a punch and no mention of that Fulham game would be complete without talking about his absolutely sick drag back on Petric when he's one-on-one with Petric and he does a little, like, I don't know what you call that move, but but it's just like a drag back behind his legs and spins it out and gets the ball out. Lovely stuff. There's a, a thing now where everything he does is looked upon negatively. So yes, you know, he didn't catch the cross. Let's, let's just ignore the fact that he was blatantly fouled. He punched that ball. He should have caught it. He dragged back. All oh, that was a bit risky. So there, there's a bit of an, uh, you know, an aura around him that says he makes a lot of mistakes. And he doesn't. I mean, you know, I, I have to say I, I only blame him about 25% for, for that goal. He should have been stronger. But Vidic and the defender fouled him, you know. So anyway, we, we should we should move on. We really should. And, and we talked a little bit about the transfer window. And, and of course, the one big departure, Dimitar Berbatov. Has he decided on a club yet? I'm not sure. He's gone to Fiorentina. He's gone to Juve. Maybe he can play half and half. He's that cool. We are we are recording this on Wednesday night, which means we don't know yet the final destination of Dimitar Berbatov. But it, it looks like the joy of the him start wearing purple, wearing purple. It didn't it didn't come off, but he's wearing the black and white stripes instead, which is great for him as long as he's definitely a guaranteed first teamer. Because it'd be terrible if he went to Juve and ended up on their bench. But I don't think he will. He's such a natural fit for Serie A. We've talked about. I mean, we've basically said everything we could possibly say about Dimitar Berbatov. I love him. I'm gonna miss him. It's been wonderful having him at United it's been really sad that he's never been used to his fullest potential but I'm always going to be grateful for that thing against West Ham that hat-trick against Liverpool and him being absolutely instrumental in our 19th title all of that all of that is true and, and we, we have said a lot about Berbatov over the years so there, I guess there's no need to repeat it it's, it's a shame that talent wasn't translated into more and in the end Ferguson lost trust in him Talking about style and substance, uh, Nemanja Vidic, United's captain, said this week, and uh, sorry for paraphrasing, that uh, United need the points not to play well. Uh, and that's what it's all about this season. It's about racking up the points to make sure that United win the title. What, do you, what did you make of this? Because in, in a way, I, I thought it was slightly strange what he said, because it, it felt like it's not an either or, it's not a zero-sum game. I hope we play really good football this season, and, and it seems like, that's what we're going to try and do. He also said another strange thing, that uh, we're going to be working harder this year. I was like, you didn't work hard enough last year, if that's the case. Well, I mean, I think they didn't work hard enough last year. They did for a lot of the season, but they got complacent last last year. I really, I really, you know, we talked about 
the concept of complacency ad nauseum last season. But when they were eight points clear, it really sunk in big time. And actually, Nemanja wasn't wasn't on the pitch, so I'm sure that was part of the reason why he's going to make sure they work harder by staring at them. The, the whole thing about style over substance is, is somebody should have told Fergie because he appears to have based his entire transfer window policy on making us even more attractive. It's it's fascinating what United are going to do this season. Of course, I mean, the first month of last season, it looked like this was going to happen until Tom Cleverley got injured and that was all the impetus left, didn't it, from that? And then United became an awful lot more functional, basically, for the remainder of the season because Cleverley didn't come back and when he did, he was on the bench and got a few minutes here and there. So that would be key. I mean, Cleverley's played well in the first two games, I think. He, he I mean, he's, he's so neat and tidy with his passing. Uh, interesting stat, actually. Against Fulham, every single one one of United's players had pass completion rates over 90%. Every single one. I mean, that's that's incredible. That is absolutely amazing, isn't it? You know, that, that's, that is, and we said this last week, you know, that is something new for us compared to the last couple of seasons where giving the ball away has been a real, real problem for our midfield. This season, I, I guess we're not totally dependent on Tom Cleverley not getting injured but sure if, if two or three key players, key attacking uh, creative talents get injured then, then we might have a problem. Well, I think one of the, one of the interesting things with Cleverly is that he's playing quite deep, and and I don't know if you saw much of the Olympics, but he basically played as a number ten for Great Britain. He also did against Italy. He played in that link between uh, midfield and attack for England when England beat Italy recently. So he's playing a lot deeper than that. He's definitely in a two. He's got less license to go forward. He has been going forward, but he's got a bit less license. And and uh, his job is to recycle the ball as quickly as possible and get it into the the feet of the attacking players. And, and I think he's done a very good job about that. Uh, interesting quote from Kadigawa who said that United's players shouldn't be afraid to get the ball into him quickly and should stop playing the ball from side to side and I think the point about that it'd be interesting to see what the real translation was for that one but I think the point is not about playing it forward to him quickly but it's about making sure the play the play goes through him you know and that's what you should do with a number 10. It's just worth pointing out that you've just answered at my Sentinels Twitter question for the week about what, what Cleverly's best position is. Because, because yeah, he definitely has the capacity to play as a number 10, but he's clearly effective alongside Carrick. That will be really potentially exciting because he's been pretty effective alongside Anderson. A best position and the position he's going to play might be two different things. I mean, he might want to play a bit further forward, although, you know, you look at his career and he doesn't doesn't have the goals or the assists numbers to justify that I suppose but but he, he will definitely play deeper this season yeah and and you know that's great for the, it might not be his favorite position but it's fantastic for the club that he can do it because that's what we need talking to twitter questions uh, do we have any more master of the twitter question <laughs> we certainly do at office underscore monkey and at jake nelson 94 responded within seconds of each other to my shout out for questions on twitter earlier today asking whether it was right for sir alex ferguson to ban journalists from the press conference for basically telling the truth it's mark ogden the aforementioned mark ogden he's been banned from carrington for revealing that rio ferdinand was injured and wouldn't play against everton you know broke the story doing what a good journalist does i i, I love this comment from ogden the official reason is that fergie believes i damaged their competitive advantage by revealing rio's injury as such he wants to affect my competitive advantage by banning me so i have to say this is it used to annoy me i mean i've worked in the media in the past right so this used to annoy me because ogden is just doing his job you know he's doing he's doing a good job and finding out stories so that's it's ridiculous and ferguson has done this for years and and it's been kind of pathetic and and it's normally about what his personal agenda is but now it's just 
getting a bit you know bit much for a for a world class institution and and a, a brand that or a club that wants to have a brand that is positively conveyed so we can get the messages out for all our lovely sponsors and stuff like that uh, i think this is a wholly counterproductive strategy completely and utterly and he won't get what he wants and and i think it's not going to be good for ferguson at the end when he retires he will get shredded because the vault opens every newspaper has their vault of, of stories that they didn't quite want to publish for fear of you know getting banned or not getting access or whatever and they'll all come out and and uh, it won't be good for him and i don't think and i'm not saying ogden has a bunch of tawdry stories he wants to print but but if you turn it into a war you will get a war at some point and uh, maybe not now but at some point in the future that's a problem it's also right now you know next time ferguson complains about there being some kind of media conspiracy when a player gets banned for you know the fa decides to look at video footage retrospectively or something and ferguson complains about there being a media witch hunt i wonder why you know and uh, so if I, if I was advising them on pr strategy I'd, I'd be saying totally wrong thing to do i just don't think there's anyone strong enough in the united PR department to to convey that message. I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, it's it's all a bit upsetting. If I, I, I try and put myself in the shoes of if it was say it was Kenny Dalglish that had done it, I, I'd be kind of mocking it and making fun of Liverpool fans and saying, "God, I can't even stomach having the media in the room in case they criticise his precious, perfect world." We've talked about the issue of Ferguson and the media before. The thing that you've always pointed out is what he doesn't seem to get is he's not talking to journalists. He's talking to the fans through the journalists. You know, the the people that read and consume that content are the people that care about Manchester United. Now, some of them are the people that care about Manchester United because they hate them. But on the other hand, some of them are us. We we, we want to know what's going on at the club. Fergie isn't going to ring us up or appear on the Rankcast. So, you know, we need, we need journalists to be able to ask him questions. And to me, that's of much more value if there's honest dialogue and openness and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, if you're making a high level transfer negotiation, then yeah, there's, there's an issue of competitive advantage but if Rio's injured Rio's injured that's you know that's he's not going to suddenly play too right and I'll tell you what damages United's competitive advantage way more than a journalist uh, breaking a true story 550 million pounds disappearing out of the club over the last seven years in debt related costs anyway that's the last I'll say about money this week but but you know come on the hypocrisy it's got to get you it's getting to me no, absolutely, and and the thing is, that's just him, it's just Fergie, it's, it's a personal thing, he hates the press, he hates being attacked, he hates the role the press play in football, you know, and that's been the case for a long time, and, and this is how it manifests itself, and it's sad, and it makes him look bad, and it makes the club look bad, but, you know, it, it doesn't matter because it's Fergie, and... You know, the kind of reaction amongst the United faithful is a bit upsetting because the kind of mentality of the Fergie can do no wrong people is like, it's like they're in a weird cult, you know? Yeah. He, he, he can do lots and lots wrong. That doesn't mean, and to say that, doesn't mean somehow you're betraying your unswerving loyalty to Manchester United, the concept. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, I still have critical faculties just because I'm a football fan. Kids, don't drink the Kool-Aid. That's all I have to say on this one, you know. And if you don't get the reference, go look it up, but, you know, it's right. <laughs> yeah, don't drink the Chevrolet-branded Kool-Aid. 
at the boy Sly asks, like early last season, United's high press tends to leave an out ball and a counter open. I'm, I'm, I think he might be American. I'm sorry if, if you're not, but that, that language, it, it, it might not be actually, because there is an out ball and a counter open. And he asks whether he's right to blame Mike Phelan for that. Definitely not. You were definitely not right to blame Mike Phelan for anything to do with United's tactics. If Fergie doesn't like something that's going on at United, I don't think he's going to let Mike Phelan talk him round. No, I, I know what he means. I mean, I actually don't think United you know, press that high. The, the issue is about commitment of players forward and protection at the back. And, and so United are open through midfield. Is that a high-pressing system? I don't think it is. I don't think you see United's front three pressing. I don't think that's meaning that, that the opposition can counter. United commit a lot of players forward. And if you're not playing a system where someone is protecting the back four, United's going to be way too open. I mean, Scholes is not going to protect the back four in the same way Carrick does. He doesn't have the same kind of defensive nous. Anderson certainly didn't. He wandered off, basically. You know, he just went off on one completely. Such a poor second half against Fulham. So I don't know that's quite the, way, the right way to put it. I think United should have a, a better pressing game. I think it's a weakness in, in United's system. The only two times I've seen United try and press were the last two Champions League finals, and it, it happened for about 10 minutes in each before United got completely battered. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the, I think it comes back to the, that point about fullbacks as well, which is that he, he allows both fullbacks to roam on the basis that the defenders can take care, the central defenders can take care of themselves. I think that's, you know, that's a key a key part of that tactical openness. Um, and, and when it's Rio and Vidic, well, especially like when if you look back and it's Rio, Vidic and Edwin van der Sar, and increasingly De Gea's kind of, you know, becoming a solid and inspirational sort of presence, increasingly that, that that's going to, continue to be the case that that he can trust his central defenders to make up for some of the shortcomings in the system defensively final question from at yuri he asks will united be left short of wingers if we sell nanny yes we will be left short of wingers but we're not going to sell nanny no there's there's no chance i mean recording this couple of days ahead of the transfer window closing I don't think there's any chance of that. I know that uh, there's a lot of frustration with Nani. I'm pretty sure that the coaching staff share it at United. But he puts up the numbers. He he puts up the goals. He puts up the assists. And he's a player who can score a goal in a big game. So I don't think there's any chance United are going to cash in. I know he was dropped for the Fulham game. Deservedly so. His performance against Everton was one of the worst I've ever seen from a United player. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. But, but he's not going to go just yet. You know, maybe in the summer. Who knows? But... I think you'd line up a replacement first and and to replace those kind of numbers you'd have to spend a lot of money yeah no absolutely i i totally agree with that i think nanny being dropped a week before the transfer window does not mean that nanny's going to be sold a week before the transfer window closes sorry slams shut always slams always slams childish error there paul so, Sir Alex Thousand League Games I mean we've just talked about some of the downsides if you want to know our thoughts on Sir Alex go back to the 25th anniversary where we waxed lyrical about him you know I, I mean we both have real strong reservations about the way he handles the media definitely the way he relates to the ownership and the fans is, is you know I think is, is saddening for both of us but also that neither of us would ever say anything other than that he's the greatest manager in the history of football probably right and and it's just an arbitrary number but it's interesting you know a thousand, a thousand league games and way ahead of anyone else that is a lot of league games by the end of the season it will be 1500 in total in all competitions and and of course his thousandth will be against the mighty southampton at that uh, it's not the dell anymore is it st mary's they're showing my age there newly promoted united should be 
getting another three points. Well, talking of uh, Sir Alex and league games and trips away trips to Southampton, I'm sure out of that thousand, one of the most memorable was the time we got battered because we were wearing the wrong coloured shirts. Yeah, yeah, I, I can only remember the second half. I couldn't see the players in the first half. It's weird that Southampton like sort of forgot about them, but they were absolutely ever present and always something of a difficult team for United, weren't they? They used to be yeah, the classic yeah. kind of game raisers against us, weren't they? They were, and, and there was that five three, and then some other memorable defeats as well. You know, Matt Letizia was on the end of a, a few of those goals, I think, and and they've got a decent side these days. There's a few players in there I like. I mean, Adam Lalana, I, I think he's got the potential of a midfielder, got the potential to to do some good things. And we talked about Nathaniel Klein. He's looked for a minute like he was on his way to to United. Certainly, some very good sources saying that he was, and some very good sources saying that he wasn't. So interesting one that. But he's gone to he's gone to Southampton. The the defender and and I, th- I think that'll be one of their problems though defensively for Southampton that will factor into whether they can manage to stay up I mean in Kelvin Davis they've got one of the worst keepers in the division fact well maybe not fact well one of one of the worst keepers in the division uh, talking of which as as we record QPR have just confirmed the signing of Julio Cesar apparently <laughs> Great quote from Julio Cesar, the interkeeper. Inter asked me to take a pay cut, and I'm not going to lie to you and be a hypocrite. And I wasn't going to do that, so my agent came and told me this was a good decision. So he's gone to QPR for the glory and uh, the proud traditions of the mighty hoops. And he just wants to murk Rob Green for Rob Green's disgracing of the goalkeeper's union. But yes, that's back to Southampton. Uh, Ricky Lambert, uh, he of Ricky Lambert celebrates one of the greatest pieces of commentary of the modern era. He, he banged him in all season in the championship and then wasn't started in the first game in the, in the Prem, but came on and scored as they gave City a bit of a fright. I think they'll be fairly tough at home, but you'd expect us to beat them, wouldn't you? You certainly would. He scored a good goal at City and mega celebration, wasn't it? So, hey, if United don't win these kind of games, then then uh, we are in big trouble. But I, I think it I think it will be fine. It'd be interesting to see United on the road this season. Of course, pretty good record on the road last season. Paul won the season before. Which will it be, Jekyll or Hyde? It's hard to see United playing differently than they are now, though. I mean, how are we going to set up defensively? I can't see it. I mean, it's, you know, 18 forwards at the club and two defenders. So, yeah, it's hard to, to see that. And you couldn't even, you can't bring Park into the side and can't bring Jones into midfield and, and all the kind of tricks that he has up his sleeve in the past. So I think United play in very, very similar way and it'll be about keeping an awful lot of possession and, and converting those chances. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and I guess I'm optimistic about United's chances, that that lovely free-flowing football. I definitely think we'll concede. I'll be shocked if we keep a clean sheet. I'm, I'm going to go for 3-1 to United. Matt Letizia to score Southampton's. Uh, yeah, and David De Gea to let it through his legs. No, 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 he, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> no. I, 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 think, I think you're right. I think United won't keep a clean sheet, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to United on the road. And just just because I haven't done this for ages, everyone who likes hip hop should definitely download Awate's mixtape Elements. I'm just 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 throwing that in there as a random plug at the end of the show. And and talking of plugs, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's at UTD Rantcast. And if you want to follow Ed, that's at United Rant. We love to hear feedback from the show especially if you've enjoyed it and um, you can also if you really enjoyed it super helpful to us if you put a review on itunes where the charts are kind of calculated based on the reviews as does you very kindly listening so thank you for that for the glory of us being at the top of course oh and and to spread the gospel of rantcast 
<laughs> exactly. And if you're not a Twitter person, you can like United Rant on Facebook, or you can even uh, use the old-fashioned technique of emailing us at cast at unitedrant.co.uk. That still works, right? It's a, it's a bit bit 20th century. Very yeah. 20th century. Or you can early 21st century, you can MSN Messenger us. No, no, that's not an option. I'll take that back. Yeah, well, you can write to Paul at... <laughs> I'm not giving my address out Although I have got the address of the winner of the Bebe competition Who helpfully doesn't live that far away from me So bonus on the postage front there Very good I guess that's it for the week And, and let's hope we're, we're talking about another United victory next week I, I, I think we will And, and we'll say goodbye to Dimitar Berbatov for the last time Tara Dimitar, thanks for the memories And thank you for listening Thank you for listening indeed And we'll be back next week